Okay, I trust everybody can hear me now. We got we got a lot more listeners in, and we got some questions here as well. So I think this one's working better. Uh, let's give it a few minutes for more people to to populate, as they say. Um, let me go real quick over everything I've already said. I'll be real brief here, just in case you had to sit through it the first time. Blue Jackets big trade last night with the Kings. Gavrikov, Corpusalo out. Uh, Jonathan Quick, a first round pick this year, a third round pick. In next year, in to Columbus, the Blue Jackets now are believed to be in the market, moving that first long first round pick or, along. Uh, I believe they're trying to get Jacob Chikrin in a trade with Arizona, the on again, off again, and now on again trade. I'm not sure Jonathan Quick ever plays for the Blue Jackets either. We can we can discuss that. This is uh, of course. Not really about Jonathan Quick coming and playing goaltender for the Blue Jackets. This is the Blue Jackets eating his contract um, if they can't trade him. And I think they're actually trying to do that as well. Um, hopefully to a cup contender uh, for his case. He's had an incredible career. You'd like to see him go out in that fashion. Um, if you have a question, post it in the comments or step to the queue and we'll bring you in for, for questions. Uh, another trade the Blue Jackets made yesterday, Nyquist to the Wild for a fifth-round draft pick, not a conditional, straight-up fifth round. And there we have it. So just to recap, Blue Jackets, big trade last night. I don't think they're done. I think the trades pieces they got from the Kings uh, may now be used in further deals. So uh, things to keep your eye on. Let's go to uh, our... Q first, and we'll bring in Jonathan B. Jonathan, you are on the front and nationwide podcast. Sorry for the technical difficulties. Go ahead. Hey, thanks, Porty. Um, top note, tidy bit of work by Yarmo over the past, you know, 24 hours. Um, really interested in Jonathan Quick. And I you know you've already spoken to it, but when I initially read that the Blue Jackets picked him up, I thought this was a perfect solution. He's a, a veteran, respected veteran, can Split time, you know, sit the bench with Elvis for the remainder of the year. No term remaining, so the goaltending situation is lined up for future years with uh, Elvis and Tarasov. But then also hearing how Quick is, you know, obviously not happy. You know, being a respected veteran, being kind of a legend in L.A., and then getting traded to Columbus, which, you know, many of us love the Blue Jackets, but we're hopefully reasonable that this isn't the best way for a veteran to end his career. I guess this is a long way of me saying if, What's the realistic market for Jonathan Quick if the Blue Jackets are going to try and do right by him to flip him? Because his numbers have been absolutely brutal, and I, I just can't see a cup contender having an interest in either carrying a third goalie or thinking that he may be able to be that emergency parachute in the playoffs. I just, I just pragmatically don't see it. So I'm kind of curious what your thoughts are on that, you know, the realistic possibility of, of flipping him. Yeah, so the possibility of flipping him is if there's a team out there that wants him in the room or around their goalies, I, I agree with you. I don't see a scenario where a team thinks Jonathan Quick is their ticket to a Stanley Cup right now. Is it still in there? He's 37 years old. He's won two. He's won the Conn Smythe. Those were both almost a decade ago. Um, he's got one of the some of the worst numbers in the league this year. Uh, my dog's pissed off about this trade, too. Um, so yeah, I, but you know, is there is there still life in there in Jonathan Quick if he's with the right team in a playoff run? Can he get it together? 
Um, I don't know if someone believes that or not. If somebody does, maybe you're you're getting a, a mid level draft pick. And but you can you can rest assured Columbus is going to be eating some of his salary to any of those teams that have been mentioned. It's a strange bit of business. It could just honestly be done out of respect for Jonathan Quick. So the Blue Jackets take his contract to facilitate the trade from the Kings. And that there's no there's no hard feelings here from the Blue Jackets. I, I don't think Jonathan Quick is excited to be a Blue Jacket for the rest of the season. Why would he be? It's a last place team. Do you want to do the guy a solid and send him to a playoff team and maybe get even something back, a sixth rounder, a seventh rounder? And you take half of it, so you've you've still facilitated the trade you want facilitated the trade you wanted with the Kings, and now you're able to to move uh, quick along, pay half of the salary instead of all of it, and get even something nominal out of it. I, I I'm not sure there's a trade there. Honestly, if I'm one of those teams, I don't personally see it. But these guys have won cups. And you like having guys in your room that have won cups before. So I don't think it's totally out of the question either. Um, and Jonathan, thanks for that question. We're going to move along quickly because uh, I think we've got a, a big crowd and a limited amount of time here today just because we don't know what else is coming. Um, let me bring Todd Jay in. Todd Jay, you're on Front and Nationwide. Go ahead. Uh, strange scenario. Um, uh, following up on the last question, would yeah. it be against the CBA for the Jackets to trade quick back to LA retaining half a salary? Uh, I, I do believe it would be, I think you have to have the player on your roster. I think it's gotta be on your roster for a full year, but don't quote me on that. I'm not sure. I think the Kings are okay with this, to be honest with you. I'm not sure that's feasible, but if it's possible, I'm not sure. Yeah, it just allows him to retire a King, and maybe there's a third team involved, and the low-round low pick goes to them, and we get our first and third and move on. Yeah. Or, yeah. or, yeah. or it, makes a, it removes the condition from the first-rounder. Yeah, all, I mean, I see what you're saying. I do think there's a that would be seen as cap circumvention. I'm sure the... If the Not CBA, that that ever happens. <laughs> yeah, if the CBA doesn't have it in there right now, uh, maybe Bill Daly's crafting that paragraph as we speak, as they as they added a, a thing two days before this year's trade deadline, uh, three days just yesterday about players on LTIR, which I don't understand if you're going to do that, why you don't do it July 1st, the previous year when the, se- when the season starts, rather than three days before the trade deadline, but, you know, whatever. And, and one follow-up question. Yeah. Am I in the minority that thinks that Fantelli's actually a better fit for us than Bedard would be? Uh, are you in the minority? You are in the minority. I'm not sure if you're alone in that. Um, I, I don't know of any scouts anymore that are, are hem-hawing between the two uh, because I think Bedard just blew people away at, at World Juniors and continues to do that. But there are people, yeah, there's an allure certainly to a six-foot-two-and-a-half a sort of a physical mean center. I've been saying this and I'll say it again. We're probably going to write it uh, throughout the spring. Losing the lottery is not the end of the world this year. As long as you get the number two pick as well. I think there's a real, 
think there's a line between Bedard and Fantilli. I think there's a real, a, a sharper cliff after Fantilli. Yeah, I think I, I, end up with one of the two, they'll be absolutely delighted. Yeah, I think the ideal place to be is number two because then you can never second guess yourself. Yeah, let, let somebody else pick for you. But I'm telling you, Bedard is is an interesting special special player. So just be one or two. Just be Thank one you, or sir. two. Thanks, Todd. Uh, let's bring in Philip now. Uh, Philip, I hope we got you there. Philip G, go ahead. Try that again. Philip G, go ahead, man. You're in front. Of me. Sure. Um, yeah, I, first off, I, I want to agree with Jonathan previously in saying that I really do think that I understand why they feel like they want to trade quick, but I think he brings more value to the team as being a backup than he would fetch in any kind of trade if he would be open to being Elvis's backup for the rest of the season, because it would allow Tarasov to, you know, get starts in the AHL. But my question was, obviously, we've seen some insane trades this deadline. You know, Tanner Jeannot, uh, that trade was nuts. Do you think that Peak and Roslovic are getting that same kind of attention? Because it seems like teams are just throwing out first round picks without any kind of second thought and I I mean obviously you look at Peak and he's you know important and so is Roslovic but are the prices getting so absurd this deadline you have no choice but to sell uh, well I, I do think there's interest in Peak there has been interest in Peak I'm not sure about Roslovic I will say this on both of those uh, cases. I, I don't think either one of them uh, could possibly generate the interest that a Tanner Janot does. Tanner Janot is a very unique forward. I see him, honestly, as sort of the the league's next, and there's a lot of baggage with this. I don't mean the baggage part of this, but as a big power forward that can play in the top six, he's got Tom Wilson written all over him, minus one hopes the dirty hits. The kid can fight. He's big, throws his weight around. And he's got pretty soft hands for a big man. Um, I love, I actually really like that trade from the Lightning. I know they gave up a lot. It's a great trade for both sides. Um, but every, literally every team in the league is looking for a Tanner Janot. And I got to say, a lot of people blasted, I think it was Ottawa that took uh, Boucher's kid, who plays that style as a forward, Brian Boucher's kid. That's starting to look like a better pick and I think they're going to be okay on that end teams are craving that kind of size up front it's so hard to find right now the blue jackets I still think need more size up front that's one of the reasons um I think they should be excited for Dmitry Voronkov to come over from Russia they need some sturdiness and some intimidation up front which they do not have um Olivier for sure fourth line role good Branson's got that uh, Tanner Janot is a guy that can play 15 to 18 minutes a night and has all that as well. Um, yeah. Well, oh, yeah. And so, Peak, I think there's a market for Peak. I think there's probably a summer market for Roslovic, although I could be surprised. I'm not sure a playoff team sees Jack Roslovic as someone who could help them. 
but he does have a skill set that is alluring to to GMs for sure. Um, I think they can move him if they wanted to, but maybe that's more of a summer trade. I don't think any of them are going to bring multiple uh, high-end draft picks like Tanner Janot did. Um, thanks for the question, Philip. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Let's get to some some uh, questions here in the in the uh, chat. Uh, is the chicken negotiation still happening now that we have some assets back? And that's from Philip G. And yes, it is. Uh, I, I believe that's what the Blue Jackets are doing right now. They are not finished. Um, they are cranking along. Uh, I talked to Yarmo just a little bit ago, and he is he is uh, still in work mode. Um, aside from Chikrin, this is from Nicholas E. I think the other question remaining for the trade deadline is whether the Boone Jenner is still safe or what is being offered for him. So at the risk, I, I don't want to certainly question any of the national guys who have been floating Boone Jenner's name a lot. But everything I've done looking in on this Boone Jenner stuff and teams asking for Boone Jenner, I, I do believe the teams have asked for him. I don't think the Blue Jackets are trading him. I don't. And I, I'm not saying they shouldn't, but if they do, you're looking at a much more of a rebuild than a team that feels like they're going to be competitive again next year, which they do. Um, I just don't see Boone Jenner being pulled out of this thing. He's such a vital part of this team. Not saying he's untouchable. Uh, again, I'm, I'm, I'm not saying he's totally off limits because he's such a, a great player, but he's just a super valuable team. A player to this team, and I don't think there's any merit in the in the Blue Jackets trading him. I don't think that's going to happen. Um, I, it only makes sense to me that people are asking for him because that's a playoff kind of guy. Um, but that's where I think it is. Scott Wheeler. This is from Joe P. Scott Wheeler released draft rankings this morning. At number three, he had Russian winger Matt Vaymichkov, and he said he is the best prospect I've ever ranked at number three in advance of any draft and the best Russian prospects since Ovechkin. This creates an interesting situation that the Blue Jackets would have the third pick in the draft. Do you think the Blue Jackets would take the best player available, Michkov, in that situation, or would the great need for a center push them to take Leo Carlson? Um, and then you note that uh, it is noted here by Joe P. that, uh, correctly, that Michkov is under contract through 0506. So, um, no, I do not think they would take Michkov at three. I think the fact that he's a winger and the fact that there's a weight for him uh, would be too much. Yeah, it would be too much to tip it against. Uh, I don't. I think they'd take Carlson in that situation. They may even take Will Smith in that situation. Um, but I don't. I think Michkov's a hell of a prospect from what everybody says. I just don't see the Blue Jackets waiting three years for a winger when they could have what they feel is a number one center uh, Carlson within a couple of years. I get the sense Carlson is not quite as uh, likely a straight to the NHL guy as Fantilli and Bedard is, but that, that could be completely wrong. They'll have a chance to prove it in training camp. 
If you have a question, by all means, step to the queue. We'll get, we'll keep cranking through the chats here. Chat questions. Uh, Joe S says, why trade for Chikrin? Shouldn't the goal for CBJ be to optimize opportunity for the number one pick? Gather as many assets as possible for this offseason. Well, here's the draw of Chikrin. So first of all, just to be super clear, abundantly clear, if anyone's wondering, they're not moving their own number one pick. That is not happening. Uh, in a package for anybody or by itself, not happening. That that pick has Bedard or Fantilli or has just mentioned Michkov, Carlson written all over it. It is not moving. It's the, the pick that they just got from the Kings, the pick they were trying to get from the Bruins, and a package of other things together that would draw Chikrin from Arizona. Now, can they do it? I'm not sure. The asking price by Arizona has been two firsts. Can the Blue Jackets put together a package that is, in in the Coyotes' mind, equivalent to that? We shall see. Um, but the sense with that first-round draft pick, this is just the logic. I'm not telling you if it's right or not. That that Kings pick, and it is protected, by the way, should the Kings somehow fall out of the playoffs, it is protected. That would be pushed to, to future years. So, first of all, the Kings have to make the playoffs, and then the Blue Jackets get the pick. So, in that scenario... The pick is going to be in the latter half of the first round, depending upon where the Kings finish. Now, if you can look at it this way, it's going to be better likely than the Bruins pick would have been. The Bruins might go all the way. I don't think anybody thinks the Kings are going to, are ready for that just yet. But So the Blue Jackets trade that first round pick and something else for Chikrin. Chikrin is under contract for two more years. He is, a, by all accounts, a top pairing, at minimum a top four defenseman. And when you've got Wierenski and Chikrin on the left side of your defense, that's an upgrade over Wierenski and, and Gavrikov. It, it is. I didn't see the point of making a Chikrin trade when Gavrikov was here. Because then you've got three left-siders. Gavrikov in the third pair or Chikrin on the third pair didn't make a ton of sense. Now with Gavrikov done, Chikrin makes sense. And it's a pretty good one-two punch, Wierenski-Gavrikov. I'd still be worried about the right side. I still don't have any immediate answers there. Yurichek will be up here next year. Um, who else? Bokvist, is he ready for the second pair? At times, he looks like it. So maybe the defense gets fixed with Chicken, but you've got Chicken for two more years at $4.6 million after this. That's seen as a pretty good, uh, pretty good contract. So that's, that's the allure of him rather than holding on to that pick. And, and spending it on a prospect in the first round. Um, Troy S. says, L.A. first plus CBJ second plus young player prospect plus third. Do I think that gets chicken? Well, I think you're in the right neighborhood. I think that's what something similar to what the offer will be. Yes. Um, Christopher A. says, have they started taking down Gabby's picture from above the McConnell entrance? Well, uh, boy, you move quick, Christopher. I, I don't know if, if that's... Uh, if that is done yet, no. I'm not down at the building uh, today, off day today, sort of. Um, but that's something we can check on, that these things do move quickly. Uh, let's see here. Uh, Anuj P says, why would we trade for another D when we have three first-rounders in our farm system? We need a center and a goalie prospect. Okay. Uh, you're right. You are completely right. But you also need D. And I, you're a check is going to be a 19-year-old NHL rookie next year. They think he's going to be ready. We don't really know. But that's the most likely of the prospects for next season. 
Matejchuk probably not ready for the NHL next year. Corson Kuhlman's almost certainly not ready for the NHL next year. Sfosel, almost certainly not ready for the NHL next year, but very promising. All of these guys are promising. Only Juracek's here next year. You need a bridge. This team needs probably, I mean, do you count on Boakvist, Bean, Blankenberg, any of them to play in the top four next year? Even if you get Chikrin, one of those guys is going to have to peak. Can he play in the top four? Can a Chikrin-peak com- combo work? Chikrin-Bogfist work? I think the idea is to play Juracek with Wierenski, okay? But they need all of those things. Here's what's going to happen to the center spot. Voronkov is coming from Russia, probably a third-line guy, at least to start, but an impact player. They're going to, they hope, get the number one or number two overall pick in the draft, that's going to be an NHL center, Bedard or Fiantilli. So that the, the middle ice for the Blue Jackets is going to look radically different next year. Does that allow Jenner to move to the wing? Does that make Jack Roslovic expendable? Does that put Sillinger in a third or fourth line role to start next year? We shall see. But the, the center ice position as it stands right now, with the lottery and with Voronkov, is going to look different, big time. I agree with you that they they need a veteran AHL goalie at minimum next year in case Tarasov and Merzlikens get injured or are not ready. So there's going to be a goalie ad, but it's going to be Merzlikens and Tarasov at the NHL level next year. So... um William M says, does somebody need quick to stay above the floor? I don't think so. I don't think anyone's in that situation. James T., any news on potential trades of Roslevic or Line A? Nothing at this point. Stay tuned. The deadline is Friday at 3. Um, let's see. Adam R. says, Bedard or bust? And I think many uh, would agree with you. Um, let's go back to the stage queue if we can. We've got Josh. Be with us, Josh B. You are on front and nationwide. Please go ahead. Well, thank you. Thanks for doing this. Um, just quick question, and kind of piggybacking off all the Chikrin stuff, um, especially related to. Obviously, I think what's behind his trade request is wanting to go to a contender. Um, and there's been some talk that if we were the ones who made this trade, that you know he's not going to be real thrilled about that. Do you get any sense of, you know, as Yarmo looks at this trade, if he's you know, if they've talked to Chikrin, it, what his kind of response would be to this? Is it going to be a sell job after we get him? What, what's your thoughts there? Yeah, I mean, I, I, um, we did. I have spoken to people about that. I, I don't think anyone's really sure where it stands. Here's the thing with Chikrin, though: he does not have a no trade clause. He does not have a no movement right. clause. So he can want to go somewhere or not go somewhere, all that he wants, and it, it really is not up to him. Um, there were reports last year at the draft that the Blue Jackets and Coyotes had a trade in place, and he didn't really want to come to Columbus. He wants to go to a playoff team. Okay. So whether or not that nicks the trade, I, I don't know. I don't – I'm not sure if it, if it didn't, to be honest with you, but it wouldn't surprise me. Then there were reports later in the summer of, you know what, Johnny Gaudreau – is interesting and maybe Columbus is okay now. 
And now maybe he's back to not wanting to go. Well, at some point, the Phoenix Coyotes are going to trade Jacob Chikrin when they get the right offer. And I really, I can't imagine that at this point, he's been on the trade market for a year and a half now. They're really interested in his opinion of where he's going. Now, if you're the Blue Jackets, you want him to be happy. You want him, you want him to want to be with you. So that is important. Um, but if, it's also ultimately not up to him. Mm-hmm. And he'll, he's coming to a team that, again, expects to be competitive next year. Rather, some people think that's far-fetched or not. Um, I don't know. But I think there are people who think that's far-fetched. But if this team gets healthy and they add Chikrin and things fall into place as, as we think that they may, uh, this could be a competitive team next year, and I think he could make it work. Um, we shall see. But I, I, I don't pretend to know where the players' emotions are. And I, I think it's something the Jackets have to care about because you don't want an unhappy camper right from the start. But at mm-hmm. some point, at some point, the deal's going to happen, and he's going to go where he goes, and it's not up to him. That's what UFA status is, not, yep. not, when, you're, not when you're 24. I appreciate it. Yep, thank you. Let's see here. Arthur K says, could the CBJ draft low enough? The future of the franchise in Columbus is in doubt. I don't even know what that means, draft low enough. Um, yeah, fire that one in again, Arthur. Maybe worded a different way. I'm not quite sure what you mean. Robert B says, after being outmaneuvered by Boston, we essentially get two draft picks for Corpusalo and Gavrikov. Is this the final straw demonstrating the incompetence of Yarmo? Uh, I don't think, well, I'll let you be the judge of that. I'm I'm not going to say that. I think what happened is uh, it became necessary to bundle Corpusalo and Gavrikov because the list of teams that had a need for a defenseman, Gavrikov, were dwindling. Um, Edmonton made a deal for Ekholm, gave up a lot. Uh, Toronto made moves yesterday from a cave and for Shen. Um, on it went. The teams that were looking for D, obviously the Bruins added Orlov. So at some point, the Blue Jackets uh, still wanting to get the first. I'm not sure what the return would have been for Corpusalo by himself, to be honest with you. I was, I've been told for two years to expect a not warm, uh, goalie market at the trade deadline. So far, that's been true. I'm not sure if he gets a mid-level pick, and maybe that third is straight up for Corpusalo, and the first is for Gavrikov. So would they have gotten a first, a third, and a fourth if they acted earlier, been able to act earlier? Perhaps. But as it stands now, they they coupled, they bundled Corpusalo with Gavrikov to get a better return. Um, so I, I don't think that's the end of the world. I think it's just how the market changes. And again, the one thing that happened with the Bruins trade in the Blue Jackets is Washington became a seller. That's what happened in the 10 days that that trade sat on the table. Now, could Jarmo have, have done more? I mean, he couldn't. Could he have forced the Bruins to accept it or not? Um, I'm not sure he could have talked them into taking it if they didn't want to take it before they were ready to take it. It takes two to tango, as many like to say. Um, but I, I think I think he grabbed the last solid boat on the uh, trade deadline and moving Gavrikov and somehow getting it first as well. Um, Eric Hess says, why aren't CBJ players in laundering cap hits like Minnesota and Arizona? I'm not sure the league would 
would like the word laundering, but I get your point. Uh, by my math, CBJ will pay Nyquist six twenty five. I think it's actually around five ninety five. But anyways, the rest of the season and only got a fifth. Minnesota and Arizona are paying much less for similar or better picks. Yeah, and jeez, uh, I, I did the math. I, what did uh, Florida pay last year for a fifth in the Domi trade? My God. Um, I, so here's the thing. The, the Nyquist trade, I don't think you can look at the Blue Jackets' involvement in the Nyquist trade as that, that's not really brokering a, a deal. That's just facilitating your own trade. Um, I do think that they've been involved or made them made it known to people that they're willing to make uh, they're willing to help them get deals done for draft picks. And we still have three days where we could see this. But the Nyquist trade is their trade alone with Minnesota. It's not them stepping in as a third party. Um, so uh, Sean O says, what does the cap space look like for next year? Is the room to rework the makeup of this team? Uh, there is, uh, especially if with, um, let's see, with Corpusalo gone, that's a million and a half. It looks like Voracek is not going to play. Uh, Nyquist is 5.5. So you've got some play money there. Now there's some players whose tickets get bigger next year. Peak goes up. There are others. Um, yeah, they've got some some room. I, they're going to need some LTIR space for Voracek, um, even at the start of the season if he's not able to go. But I, I think they'll be better off this next year than they were this year. But let's let's see what kind of moves they make and where they're at. Uh, how many hours of sleep is a GM going to get in a week like this? Um, well, not many. But the good news with the GM is it's kind of up to them. Um, you know what I'm saying? They're not at the mercy of other people. It's their 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 deal to make. Uh, Eric S says, do you have any sense of how the organization wants to align their NHL and AHL rosters on deadline day? I believe the AHL roster at 2 p.m. is who is eligible for the AHL playoffs. And the NHL team only has four emergency non-recalls after. Thoughts on Tarasov, Greaves, Chinikov, Sillager, etc., and these paper moves. So my sense is the Jackets will paper as many players as they can to Cleveland uh, by that deadline just so that they are eligible for the playoffs. I'm not sure I'd put Greaves in there. Tarasov's probably going to stay down there. Uh, one interesting note, by the way, Tarasov expected to start tonight for AHL Cleveland. He's been out for a while with a groin injury. Um, so, yes, look for, on Friday, look for some uh, some moves there that will give us an indication of who might be made eligible for the AHL playoffs when the Blue Jackets season ends on April 14th. Um, Philip G says, do you think the chicken trade would be just draft picks or include prospects? I think it would be prospects and picks because I'm not sure uh, the, the, Blue, well, the Blue Jackets don't have multiple firsts, so look for some prospects to be in there as well. Um, D-E-R says, how would the Jackets use the Kings pick this season since it's a conditional first? Uh, well, you can trade a conditional first. You can, by all means, trade a conditional first. The condition is simply if the Kings miss the playoffs, then it's not your pick until next year. So the Blue Jackets can trade that. It's just the, the the team that they're trading it to needs to be aware of it. I don't think anyone thinks the Kings are going to miss the playoffs, um, but we shall see. 
Um, Jonathan C., do you think Chikrin would actually play for us? I do. I do. We have been burned by big names too many times. Foot, Gabrick, Carter. Well, now, don't put, you know, don't put Foot, Gabrick, or Carter in the same camp. Um, Gabrick played here. Didn't play well, didn't match, but he played here. Foot played here. Uh, mostly, most of three years before forcing his way out at the end. Uh, Carter was the, was the problem. And Carter and, you know, this Carter and Quick thing, I've heard people talk about Jonathan Quick not wanting to be here. The difference with Carter and Quick is the Blue Jackets were counting on Carter to be their number one center. So his, look, he even had some hat tricks here in Columbus. He played. He just couldn't wait to get the hell out. Um, they're not counting on Quick to be a player for them. Um, Sean G says, any potential of Texier being part of a package? Uh, any word on his status? So I'm attempting to get an interview with Tex. His agent has cleared it. I have yet to hear back from Tex, waiting to hear from that. Um, if they have inside knowledge that he's not coming back and it's related to not wanting to play for Columbus, then I could see them trading him. I don't get any sense that it's a Columbus issue. It's more of him wanting to be closer to home this year. Um, so if, if the issues are just wanting, not wanting to play in the NHL in general, he's a hard guy to trade. Um, yes. Um, let's see. Seth K., if Chekron is so good, young, good contract, why do the Coyotes want to move him so badly? Because he wants out. I think it's just that simple. I don't like it. I don't like that a 24-year-old kid for more than a year and a half is asked out of a organization where other players seem ready to build a bright future for Arizona. But I, I do understand being frustrated by the organization. He's been there for a little while. Uh, I'm not sure everyone is convinced that they know how to put together a team and win as it's been that way. But some may say the same thing about Columbus. Um, so yeah, do the jackets need Bedard or Fantilli to avoid being bad for so long that attendance craters? That's from Arthur K. Um, I think both of those guys would help season ticket sales for next year. Uh, this year's season tickets have been fantastic. The, the crowds have been great. And part of that is because Columbus is a pretty damn good market. It's not quite, it doesn't go up and down like some other markets do based upon success or failures. Thank God. Um, but the, the tickets for this year's game have been, this year's games have been sold. Uh, basically off the Johnny Gaudreau signing last year. So those tickets are sold. Those people are coming to games because these games are expensive. Next year would be a concern. I'm not sure what the renewals are, but Bedard and Fantilli certainly would help with that. I don't think there's any question about that. Um, let's see here. We're back on the queue. Daniel M. Let's try Daniel M. on the stage. Uh, go ahead, Daniel. I think we've got you. All right. My question is, is there a chance that they're going to flip quick? I, I missed the very beginning, so you may have already addressed this, but it just feels like they could eat some of that contract and then uh, flip it for another asset. Is that a possibility? Yeah. No, for sure it's a possibility. I think it's even a likelihood, but uh, but it's, uh, you know, until it happens, of course, it's not done. I think that's what they're Attempting to do, and I think out of respect for Jonathan Quick, they'd like to put him on a cup contender. I'm not sure if there's a cup contender that would have him, 
Uh, and I'm, I'm certainly of the expectation that the Blue Jackets would have to pay a large portion of his salary, and the return probably wouldn't be great, mid to late draft pick. Um, but yes, I do think they, they are in the business of trying to flip him. And I think that first-round draft pick is not going to be around longer. No. Yeah, we've got a story to this end uh, that posted just a little bit ago on the site if you want to check that out. But yeah, I think all of those things make a ton of sense. Daniel, thanks for the question. Uh, Jeremy V says, Porty, are you going to the outdoor game in Cleveland on Saturday? I am not. I am not. I am I'm not going to an outdoor game until there's one in Ohio Stadium. That is my personal promise. Um, I might not step outside until there's a game in Ohio Stadium. No, I'm joking. Um, let's see. Scott R., is your opinion, in your opinion, where do the Blue Jackets end up in 2023? 30th, 31st, or 32nd? Seems like Chicago moves lately may win them the race to the bottom. Well, right now, nobody wants the bottom. Blue Jackets are 5-2-2 two, and two in the last nine. Not good, guys. Not good. Um, playing with pride. I keep hearing it. They're playing with pride. Springboard to next year. Wouldn't it be awesome if the pride showed up in October and November? Man, that'd be something. Enough of March pride. Um, yeah, so here they go again. Um, right now, the Blue Jackets remain in last by a point. And they have been really helped. The Blackhawks had won five in a row until the Ducks beat them the other night. The Ducks have won three in a row for the first time in almost two years. So the bottom of the standings, they've all gotten sort of warm at the same time. Um, I'm not sure if they can sustain this or not, to be honest with you. My guess is not. They have three home games in March. The rest are on the road. It's going to be tough. Um, but they're playing their butts off right now for, for Brad Larson. And if I'm a Blue Jackets fan, I'd be a little bit worried about that because they are threatening to ruin uh, their lottery standing. Um, all right, we're going to get going. Listen, thanks so much for uh, joining us. Really appreciate it. It's been a spirited conversation um, about three times the listeners we normally have. So thank you for that. And we'll, uh, we may do a, a, an emergency front nationwide later this week. Uh, if there is a, a trade to report. One other thing, uh, this Friday, we'll have a live trade deadline recap show with Ian Mendez and Haley Salvian starting at 2.30 p.m. Eastern on the Athletic Hockey Show YouTube channel, Facebook, and Twitter. So make sure you tune in for that. Uh, give that a watch and a listen. And uh, we'll talk to you all very soon. Thanks again for taking part. Take care.